beat for another chance at the NFL. Gotta love it. Do you know what I have in my mind at this time during the season? Two words: March Madness. All right, well, it's February. It's February, today. baby. All right, I don't care. <laughs> it's college basketball season. For uh, Luke Vargas, Nick Hornberg, and Vanessa Litchard, my name is Jack Molino. We thank you for tuning in to WCBN. Reminder: our fundraiser starts Friday and continues to next Friday, the twenty-second. We thank you for listening, and we'll leave, leave you with a good night and go blue. And Gray Matters is uh, the weekly media talk show with myself, Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And uh, we won't talk about El Paso. You know, I bet Tex uh, Mannheim could do a good half-hour show about songs about El Paso. <laughs> there are many, yeah. Uh, anyway, to, to, to kind of uh, to, uh, do something legitimately important, I think, here. Uh, you know, John Dingle passed away uh, over the past week. Uh, they announced, like, on Monday that he was going into hospice. He was our congressman for quite some time. Uh, that This is when they, by the way, gerrymandered Lynn Rivers out of Congress uh, back in 2000 when Michigan lost a uh, congressional seat. Uh, John Dingle will probably go down in history as one of the greatest congressmen in American history. Uh, this is a man who... Uh, fought uh, very uh, fiercely for New Deal concepts uh, that he uh, uh, sort of uh, inherited from his father. His father was in Congress. His wife now is currently our congressman uh, in in Washington, Debbie Dingell. And he did some uh, yeoman work as committee chairman. Now, he was not an orator like uh, Ted Kennedy or Daniel Webster but I think that in the pantheon of uh, the history of the United States Congress, he will go down as one of the top ten most important congressmen because he was chairman of the Commerce um, – well, I guess they call it the Commerce Environmental Committee. It's one of the more important things that determines uh, regulations on our environment, on our cars. Uh, I disagreed with him sometimes on uh, – 
the fuel standards. He was a little bad on that, but he was great on clean air. Um, really nice guy, and uh, I met him a couple of times. And I wanted to point out another really important thing about John Dingle that might not have been mentioned uh, enough in some of the tributes. He was outstanding at a thing called constituent services. That's what I was going to mention. Very responsive. Uh, personal anecdote here. Uh, my daughter had a school trip planned. Her passport needed renewal. We submitted it in plenty of time, but it was during one of them there government shutdown deals some years back. And we didn't know where's the passport? What's going to happen? She's not going to be able to go on this trip. And uh, Dingle's office were very responsive. They expedited it. They took care of it. And I heard, as we told that story to others, that, oh, no, his his office is very helpful. Mm -hmm. Whatever you need as sure. a constituent, mm -hmm. his staff saw to it that he had the information necessary to push it through. And that's an underrated component. Uh, it is I'm, public service. Well, and, and some Congress people are, are reelected in some of these odd districts because of that ability. Uh, Ted Kennedy, for instance, was very famous uh, for being in, uh, very efficient at constituent services. In other words, they have staff people who follow through on things. They are responsive and they listen. They're not Mitch McConnell hiding out in a groundhog hole uh, who can't be found for five weeks during a government shutdown. So John Dingell was an outstanding congressman, a true gentleman, and uh, I think it's it's kind of nice that he was our congressman for a while, even though I was disappointed that uh, Lynn Rivers got bounced out of Congress as a result of the reorganization of the congressional districts back in 2000. Well, that was likely to the uh, down to the uh, Republicans in the Michigan State Legislature, who, of course, purposefully structured sure. it that way so that that was the district that went. Because he did, for most of his career, represent a kind of a downriver uh, district uh, that was much more uh, auto industry right. oriented, which is why he was both an advocate of the auto industry and occasionally battled environmentalists over fuel standards in particular. But, on the other hand, he was good at uh, clean air. Medicare, Medicaid, civil rights, all The The New Deal well. and the Great Society. Uh, tremendous uh, uh, believer in those concepts. A, a fundamental believer in the role of government. Believing in good government. Honest government. Accountable government. And we heard the president... This past week in that, uh, well, Bernard, some speeches are so heinous. <laughs> yeah, the State of the Union where, where uh, Trump came up with some uh, ridiculous rap rhyme to claim oh, that there can't be any peace. peace and legislation versus war and investigation. Yeah. And oversight is not investigation. It is partially but oversight is part of Congress's constitutional duty. Right. And I might add, it's Congress's job to determine these immigration policies, not the president. The president is supposed to implement the law. He is supposed to make sure that Executive. the law is faithfully executed. That is his oath. Donald Trump has sort of 
uh, tried to become the emperor of with no clothes. And America needs to remind him repeatedly that we don't have an emperor. He's an emperor with no clothes, and he needs to understand that the United States of America has no emperor. Well, I'm going to come back to the State of Union in just a moment, but one last point I wanted to make about Dingell, and that is that it's kind of jaw-dropping that his career spans such a long time. Longest in American history. From the Eisenhower era Mm -hmm. until his retirement. And you factor in the fact that his father was a congressman before him. His wife, of course, uh, you know, has filled that spot and has been reelected a number of times in a row. Quite easily. Quite easily. It's a, a, you know, it's a 90% blue district. Right. And this is the idea of uh, some people, of course, are like, oh, well, there should be term limits. Nobody should be in office for that long. Well, there are term limits. It's called elections. Sure. And Michigan made one of the biggest mistakes it ever made when uh, in our state legislature, uh, Michigan voters approved term limits. When you have somebody who knows how the system works, who can make the system work for its constituents like John Dingell did. Of course people are going to reelect them time after time. They yeah. understand what it is to be a public servant. Uh, it's it's fine to have a career or to have like a political family, you know, the you could say the Dingles are the Kennedys in some way of Michigan in that there's always a Dingle, you know, representing uh, people of the twelfth district. Um that's something to be proud of, to have a legit. And, you know, we've got some young politicians uh, coming out of Ann Arbor who potentially uh, could have long careers. I'm very impressed with Yusuf Rabi. I'm a little biased because he's a former student of mine. Uh, but that's a guy who has uh, wide open ears and an open mind and a thoughtful outlook and is interested in the prospects of a career in public service because he wants to help the people of Michigan. Sure. And uh, it's important also to remember that there are term limits. It's called the United States Constitution. You serve in the House for two years. That's a term limit. Right. You have to run for re-election. Uh, incumbents, of course, have all kinds of advantages. We know about that. Name recognition is is just the least of those. Um, financing and money or other aspects. Some congressmen deserve to be reelected and some don't. But this term limits was a gimmick that Newt Gingrich created back in the mid-90s when he was uh, developing the so-called contract on America, as I like to call it. Uh, it's a bad idea. You look at the Michigan House. You can only serve six terms. It's been pointed out that you get in, you run for re-election, for one term, and then you're, after your second term, you're running for either another office or trying to get out the door and get a job in the private sector. Yeah. So special interests actually control these state legislatures more than ever because of this problem. There's a kind of revolving door of incompetence, and there's a quite learning, frankly. And the learning curve is the other side of that incompetence curve because— as a freshman, your first term, you've got a lot to learn. You know, anybody sure. who's ever started a new job knows that, oh, I had a, a general understanding of the duties and functions. Now I'm seeing it play out in front of me. You don't really know until your next term, okay, uh, 
now I understand. Now I have a grasp on how I can do this job. So it takes a while to figure out how to do the job. Yeah, and Dingle was an outstanding committee chairman. He he could grill witnesses on relevant issues because he was good at it. Experience does matter. I think I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> uh, just last week I was noting, by the way, that the governor of North of uh, Virginia, excuse me, uh, probably suffered from a little bit of inexperience with his hasty uh, press conference on Friday night where he gave a kind of botched, weird uh, declaration about the blackface. Uh, of course, we've seen the Virginia scandal just turn into almost a farce of other problems and weirdness. Well, not And who knows where that's going, but the bottom line is he, he can't be impeached uh, for something that he did, uh, even if he did it uh, 25 years, 30 years ago, uh, because he has to do something in his official duties. There's an interesting poll showing also that uh, polling among uh, Virginia voters, African-American Virginians actually are more in favor of letting him serve out the term because they see him as being more uh, friendly and helpful towards their interests, despite the blackface. There's probably also, sadly, an understanding on their part that, you know, we live in Virginia and a lot of these guys did some stupid blackface thing at one time. I mean, that to me is one of the shockers from the whole thing. Not withstanding whatever's going on with the lieutenant governor. I, you know, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole ball, other but, ball of But wax. this, you know, series of revelations of like, oh, yeah, he had a blackface thing, too. It's Virginia. Yeah. You know, I guess it's a lot more common and it's than anybody thought. Fraternity drinking. It's this yes. sort of privileged uh, society. I don't want to go into too much uh, gossiping here about the University of Michigan. I don't think I ever saw anybody in blackface, but I certainly took people to parties that were called pimp and hoe parties. And kids got dressed up uh, as uh, pimps and hoes, uh, whores. Uh, pretty goofy but uh part of the just good clean fun you know it's 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 that sort of weird mockery uh class mockery of of uh people in our society because obviously prostitution is a serious real problem that is not what it's cracked up to be well and don't get me started on the uh the greek system fraternities and sororities i used to photocopy documents for uh, sorority sing-alongs at Rush Week, and uh, moms and dads would be horrified at the things that these young ladies were singing or being made to sing if they wanted to pledge a sorority right. outside of uh, particular frat houses. It was appalling. You know, earlier this year, I actually technically at the very end of last year, uh, the, the Sunday New York Times had a year in pictures and I uh, chopped out one picture just because I loved both pictures on both sides. One is the uh, what Mosul looks like. Um, Donald Trump was bragging about uh, liberating Mosul as part of his uh, knowing the military. He threw that in in the in the uh, State of the Union. And if it you, looks like Warsaw, 1945. Yeah, it's it's rubble. Now on the other side is an amazing picture from April of uh, this past year in Georgia. And it what is it? It is a white supremacist group 
uh, saluting, giving the Heil Hitler uh, salute in front of a burning swastika out in the boondock somewhere in Georgia. Georgia. And I hate to say this, I didn't hear a lot about this incident. I didn't hear any condemnation from Donald Trump, for instance, or any concern about how this sort of behavior uh, is is troubling, to say the least. Uh, those people are, are not wearing uh, white hoods, but they might as well be. <laughs> and I think that sometimes, obviously, the Ku Klux Klan uh, thing... It's important to understand we've had red scares in America. The Ku Klux Klan actually had some political power in this country in the 1920s. Um, there was a big revival of the of the Klan after the end of Reconstruction, for instance, in, in the South. And uh, certainly in the 60s with the Jim Crow laws and Klan revival, um, you know, that's scary stuff. But when we have American citizens uh, saluting the swastika, whew, that's very different from blackface. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I, I don't I think Northam is probably going to survive this fiasco because it, it's a reminder, by the way, that a, a week in politics is a long time. Lots of other weird things start happening. Boy, especially these days. I mean, last week. The State of the Union and some of the fallout from that would have been enough, but the revelations at the end of the week about American media AMI sure. and the bizarre— the name, the name is Pecker. The bizarre headline. David I mean, Pecker. It sounds like something from a Thomas Pynchon novel, you know, the names and everything. Uh, Bezos exposes Pecker <laughs> was yeah. a headline in, I think, the New York Post or something. But, um, I mean, just real quickly to, to touch on the— uh, State of the Union address. Um, I, my take, just the quick take, is it was a lot like this year's Super Bowl. Meaningless and not very entertaining. And too long. <laughs> and too long. Uh, probably the most interesting moment was the, you know, preceding detail, the fact that a lot of the incoming uh, women, a number of women, uh, some had been reelected, who were wearing the little white suffragette outfits. Sure. And so... <laughs> When trying to uh, crow his uh, self-congratulatory plaudits, which, you know, a State of the Union is going to include some of that, but a State of the Union is supposed to sort of outline a, a vision for the future, a way forward, a way into a better future. Uh, this was largely just uh, back padding and, and fear mongering with with dozens and dozens of lies uh, about economics. That, oh, many, many that, that I'll cover next week uh, during the uh, fundraiser show. The uh, the fact that he said, oh, and uh, recent statistics show that uh, there's more women in the workforce than ever before, and people politely applaud, and then you could, they cut to the audience, and you could see the women of the House looking at each other like, we should stand up. That's us. That's us. And so they stood up and had a little bit of a woo-hoo. And the, but, of course, the graphs show that it actually peaked in 2000, and that, in well, fact, sure. more women in the United States of America are taking care of, of elderly uh, parents and relatives and other uh, assorted... Unpaid work. Unpaid work, yeah. which is described as not work. Right. It's described in this weird working Amer working women uh, phraseology that's somewhat bizarre. Uh, I appreciated the fact that a Swedish working woman said, 
What do you? What, what, the the weirdest thing about America is this phrase "working women." <laughs> we, we do lots of work, unpaid uh, typically and yeah. historically. I mean, uh, housework, childcare, and of course, Donald Trump does lots of work. He's got downtime all the time. Oh, you know, he's working during that executive time. He's got the, you know, the easy little crossword puzzle book. <laughs> he's got <laughs> doing the. The scram- word scramble. He's watching television for six to eight hours a Writing day. Writing his little love notes to Kim Jong-un. And Stormy Daniels. Uh, by the way, her book is out um, at the public library. I was going to check it out, but alas, it had no pictures. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about her some other day. But how bizarre at the end of the week uh, to get involved in this uh, National Enquirer uh blackmail scheme of dubious proportion i mean it makes no sense it makes no sense unless this is simply an attempt to curry favor and garner money from the saudi crown prince which may well turn out to be the case but i mean ami had already signed an agreement regarding the Michael Cohen disclosures of hush money. So they had a kind of legal protection, a guarantee from the special prosecutor's office that because you have cooperated on these matters and details, you will not be held accountable for any criminal charges that may otherwise be actionable in this matter. Unless, of course, you uh, engage in other criminal activities and... Boy, when you read the details of this attempt to, hey, we've got some awkward photos. Um, you don't want to see them get published, do you? Um, if that's not extortion, I don't know what is. I mean, who thinks that they can extort the richest guy on the planet? Well, and, and how I, dumb is that? I found it very bizarre and fascinating that when this story broke uh, this weekend, that for a day, Donald Trump was amazingly quiescent. Why would he be quiescent? You say, you ask, you inquire. Inquiring minds want to know. (laughs) They do. But, you know, when this story about the divorce broke a couple of weeks ago on the the 14th of uh, January, here's Donald Trump's tweet. Now, get a load of this. He began attacking the founder and chief executive of Amazon. I'm reading from Jim Rutenberg's uh, column on the 15th of January which he leads by saying, even by the tweeting habits of the 45th president, it was a puzzle until you examined it. It started to make sense. In attacking the founder and chief executive of Amazon, President Trump praised the National Enquirer for publishing an article in its January 28th edition, in all caps, Bezos, divorce, the cheating photos that ended his marriage. Hmm. Donald Trump. Photographs. Uh, Pecker. The spy. It's not James Bond. It's Pecker. (laughs) David Pecker. Um, A Trump ally. Buying off uh, Miss McDougal. Catch and kill is what they call the Catch and kill. So here we have photographs. And then, of course, it turns out that the brother... Of the woman in question, we don't need to go into her uh, name, apparently is the one that rifled through her phone or something and got the photographs. Yeah, her brother is a Carter Page, Roger Stone chum. Yeah. 
So I don't think they're going to be having Thanksgiving dinner uh, next year. But, of course, uh, I don't know any uh, future marriage intentions of Jeff Bezos. But Donald Trump, of course, has been attacking Bezos for uh, weeks. And, and, of course, the Saudis hate the Post. Yeah, and, and who knows about that. But uh, here's Donald Trump's tweet. So sorry to hear the news about Jeff Bozo. And this is a Trump technique. He had another racist slip up today about the Trail of Tears, apparently. We'll find, oh, I liked his comment. Uh, we'll find out more about that At tomorrow. the national prayer meeting, which is itself kind of a silly thing. Uh, a lot of stagey, you know, pontificating and false piety, uh, in my opinion. But uh, he actually misspoke and, and said that, oh, members of the faith community have been involved in the abolition of uh, civil rights <laughs> throughout American history. <laughs> um, well, no, abolition is not, not what you want to do with civil rights. Well, there I am in the back, dressed up as the bishop. <laughs> we was too late. Holding a sign, Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 through 18. <laughs> Donald Trump needs to read them. But this, this sort of dancing on Bezos' grave where Trump uh, says, so sorry to hear the news about Jeff Bozo being taken down by a competitor whose reporting, I understand, is far more accurate than the reporting in his lobbyist newspaper, the Amazon Washington Post. Well, to compare the National Enquirer to the Washington Post is a joke. Um, how accurate the reporting is strikes me as somewhat irrelevant. <laughs> Uh, this is dirty politics, and I think that it's great that Bezos was able to speak about a log, turning over a log to see what crawls out from underneath. Well, that's what I mean about, you know, who's dumb enough to think they can extort the richest guy in the world? You can't hurt him, you know? Right. Um, the photos are out there, whatever. You know, that's a whole separate thing. But... uh the, the guy's got enough money. I mean, he makes thousands of dollars every second that pass. Right. So there's no shortage of uh, lawyers that Bezos will be able to line up to investigate and pursue this matter. And it's it's quite well established that he has no operational day-to-day -day role in the publication no. of the Post. He's turned that over to the editors, the professionals. And the Washington Post is one of the most important newspapers in America. They have incredible inside stories about the government, politics, the sources. Yes, many of the articles are based on unnamed sources, and leaks are happening. Oh, it's shocking that in Washington, D.C., there's gambling going on. No, wait, that's leaking going on. Donald Trump's the gambler. He's the one who somehow in the history of human civilization could not make money at either owning a football team or owning casinos. That gives you an idea of his economic management of our country and these disastrous policies that he keeps promoting that are getting us nowhere. His continued claims about these trade deals is outrageous. He does not have a trade deal at all. 
He extended some quotas. Renamed uh, NAFTA. Renamed NAFTA. But until he uh, takes the the tariffs down on uh, uh, steel and aluminum, Canada and Mexico are not signing a, quote, new trade deal. You can't renegotiate a deal that's already expired. I mean, the whole thing is ludicrous. I mean, he can't even, when they controlled the House and the Senate, he couldn't even get his wall through then. Couldn't get the wall through. So if you can't make a deal where you hold all the cards, then (laughs) you don't make deals. You're just that dumb. Yeah, and of course, why he continues to bring up the wall is is, is curious because uh, it, it just makes no sense. There's plenty of wall down there. Um, I heard over the weekend, by the way, that there's a 25-mile section of wall that money has been appropriated. It's near Hidalgo, Texas, and not one brick has been laid. Uh, of course, Donald Trump, he's on executive time. In other words, the money that's already been appropriated for building more wall, nothing's happening. Here's- Trump's not a builder. No. He's a big... Zero. He, 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 you know, we should send him some Legos so he can build his wall in the White House. Duplos might be more to his speed. Lincoln Logs, I think, could be too complex. Maybe the Democrats in the House ought to pass a bill that says, okay, we'll give you the $5 billion. It's going to be a green wall. It's going to be a, a solar panel wall. Gigantic solar panels. Voila. That could be viable, or Green like New Deal. Uh, wind turbines with big, huge blades That's that right. come down, and you got to run in between them if you're an illegal. But Donald Trump won't visit that wall because his hat might fly off, and then we'd see that his wig. Well, we'll see. The, the big talk tomorrow is going to be who drew the bigger crowd: the Trump rally or the Beto O'Rourke gathering? Yeah, and that's you know neither here nor there. But one other thing about the wall that nobody's really thinking about, although I'm sure once Texans begin to wrap their heads around this, let's say that the wall gets approved. Let's say they actually start building the wall. Well, you know, you've got to build the wall on U.S. soil. You can't build it right on the border because it's going to violate sovereignty to be working on the other side of the border on the wall. So you're going to have to build the wall on U.S. territory. That means that anything on the other side of the wall is basically seeding Parts that's seeding with a C, parts of Texas back to Mexico. I mean, anything on the other side of the wall becomes Mexico. The new border. So they might own the Rio Grande one before Trump is done. So think about that one. And of course, all the people in these Texas towns, even the Republicans say, one, there's no immigration crisis that this idea of an emergency which more I, troops have been sent down, by the way. Yeah, more troops. Trump promised us in the State of the thousand Union more. that he was going to send 3,700 uh, more troops down there to guard uh, against, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, <laughs> mice. Uh, just to remind you, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Of course, the problem in Hidalgo, Texas is not only uh, the fact that their wall suffers from uh, a Donald Trump erectile dysfunction, but there is also a problem with eminent domain. Right. There's lawsuits galore about this. 
Uh, Trump is trying to seize some property from a church, for instance. Yep. Not going down real well. Uh, the, the, the pastor, the priest that has these prayers on the border, apparently on a relatively regular weekly basis, is adamantly opposed to any wall, and he's going to fight it in 